Well, good morning. We are in a series on the book of Daniel, and I will tell you a little bit more about that in just a few minutes, but I love to look in the camera at the back of the room and say good morning to uh, everybody in Richmond, the Chapel Richmond. Today's a really uh, special day in our church family here because today we go from one church in uh, three locations. We are now one church in four locations, and so we're really excited about that. And. Um, so thankful for the incredible uh, team in Chesterfield County Schools that have allowed us the opportunity to bring church into Mosley Elementary School. And uh, I just got all the reports of 930 service. You want to know what happened? You want to know what happened? 501 people went to an elementary school today and worshiped. How great is that? And uh, so would you do us a favor? If you know anyone who lives in Magnolia Green, we're coming for you. And uh, and that whole West uh, Hall Street area, just incredible to see what God will do. And a huge thank you to the principal there, all the administration. They have been a joy to work with, putting up with us. And uh, so we're so glad and so thankful. I'm just, I just want to say, because I know some of the team is catching their breath, I'm thankful for people that show up at an elementary school at 6.20 in the morning to unlock, to unload sound equipment and nursery bags and all that. You're our heroes. And we're so thankful to those of you that love and serve and give in ways that blow our minds. And we're just thankful for what God's doing in the life of our church. Somebody asked me what it's like, Pastor, in the chapel. And I said, it's like being a kite caught in a hurricane. You know what I mean? Like you just are saying, God is good. How many know God is good? And uh, it's not the work of any of us. It's the work of God. How many know God does some things that are better than us? I know me and I know you. And... Uh, and God is good. And so we're so thankful to be connecting with his mission and so thankful for that. I'm really thankful. I got the numbers uh, last week. It was just fun to hear. It happens a lot of weekends, but 26 people last weekend said yes to Jesus Christ for the very first time. And so that's what we're about as a church. And and so at our 4.30 service in Midlothian, we'll have water baptism, but incredible things happening in uh, in the city of Richmond at the chapel and in Mosley and Midlothian. And so I just want to give you one thing and then I'm done. I'm going to preach the Bible today, but uh, uh, we have groundbreaking Sunday in two weeks. And so we'll do some significant things in the morning, kind of an honorary prayerful moment, sacred moment. And then at 4.30 on October 15th at, uh, at the Old 100 Road property in Midlothian, right in uh, Midlothian 30. 505 Old 100 Road. We'll do a 4.30 groundbreaking kind of ceremonial service. I think the team's got some fun food planned too, but we'll throw dirt and do that kind of thing and uh, have a sacred moment together. And it'll be the launch of us. You'll see fences going up and they'll be digging out the lobby for new bathrooms and a pad will be laid down. Steel will be coming. The building will be going up and we're going to build space so that we can have more kids show up at VBS and more kids show up at Motion and make more space for what God's doing. And so Thank you, thank you, thank you for your incredible generosity that lets us uh, lets us do all that. So you're an amazing church. I love you. If nobody's told you that today, I love you, and I'm glad you're here. And doesn't it just feel better when the sun is shining? And how many know this is the best time of year? I'm telling you. I mean, uh, I mean, you got we about to, once we get through the devil's holiday, then comes Thanksgiving. <laughs> And then Christmas, and so uh, I know I know Katie and I have this disagreement. She thinks Thanksgiving has to pass before Christmas music is played, and, uh, and I just want to tell you, I read a study. You can amen me all you want, but people who who listen to Christmas music longer live longer. 
So I'm just saying, you, you miserable people who don't want to put the music on, the rest of us are going to be jolly and live longer. Come on, somebody. And, and, uh, but it's the best time of year and uh, thankful for all God's doing. Well, if you're new here this weekend, we've been going verse by verse through a book of the Bible called Daniel. There's 12 chapters in this Old Testament prophet named Daniel. And we're learning how to stand for God in the middle of a, of a crazy world. And uh, Daniel, that's what he did. He lived in a place called Babylon, which was a godless culture. And yet he lived for God. And it, it reminded me of a sign that is on a church in Staunton, England, where it, the pastor, Robert Shirley, it, you can still go there today, and it has this sign on the church. In the year 1653, when all things sacred were throughout the nation destroyed and profaned, this church was built to the glory of God by Sir Robert Shirley. I love this phrase. Whose singular praise it was to have done the best things in the worst of times. And when I was praying over our church, I was saying, listen, I know that there's chaos in our world and godlessness and all of that. But my prayer is that we would be planted right in the middle of this city and we would do the best of things in the worst of times. How many know we're here to impact the darkness, to shine our light? Come on, my grandma taught me, don't hide it under a bushel. No. Come on, let it shine, let it shine. How many know we're not just to curse the darkness, but we're to let it shine? And that's what this series is all about. But let me just remind you, as, as Daniel's living in Babylon, chapter 1, he and his Hebrew friends are teenagers. And the Bible says that the attempt of Babylon was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. And this is always a sign of a godless culture, is to try to teach our kids how to think differently. And I'm just telling you, that's part of any Babylonian culture. They try to get kids to did your parents say that? Did your grandparents say, maybe you shouldn't think that? And they try to change. How many know that's true, right? In fact, I just want to say this real boldly because I felt in my spirit I need to say it. I, I really believe in a culture we need to protect our little ones. I don't think sexuality should be taught to little kids. And I hardly, I hardly believe... <laughs> I hardly believe you have to say that in the world that we live in. But I'm just telling you, that's the Babylon mentality. And the Babylon mentality is to come and to undercut. And that's why you'll find in our church such a focus on student ministry, kids ministry. Because we believe God wants to raise up a generation of young people that know his word, know his savior, and are built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Can I get a big Baptist amen in the room? Yeah, come on. And uh, so... So chapter 1, Daniel is probably about 14 years old, but we're going to look at Daniel chapter 6. It's the highlight of the book. I mean, if you can't preach Daniel 6 in the lion's den, you just can't preach. And, uh, but it's interesting because I think sometimes we just turn a couple pages through Daniel and we think a couple years have passed. But Daniel in chapter 1 is um, 14, probably 14 years old. And in chapter 6, he's 83. Okay, So he's getting a little older, and, uh, and yet he's still serving Jesus. And it's and it's awesome to me. The Bible says that it pleased Darius. Now, this is the third king that Daniel's been under, okay? So Darius is the third king Daniel's been under in the price 60 years of the book. Um, to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom and three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. And their job was that the king might not suffer loss. So I want you to catch this. Uh, Darius co uh, created 120 leaders to oversee the people. When it says so that the king might not suffer loss, that was that the, no one would steal the king's taxes. I don't know if you know this, but govern government has always been good at taxes. 
In fact, I'll never forget when my daughter was 15, she came home with her first pay stub from Blaze Pizza. She said, this doesn't make sense. It says they, they paid me this much, but that's not what is in my check. She said, that's not fair. And I said, welcome to the world if it's not fair. By the way, Halloween advice, I've always taxed my kids' candy. So 10% tax on whatever you bring home, founder's fee. And uh, so that's for free. But so, so picture this. The king creates 120 leaders. And then of the 120, there are three to lead them. But then there are one, there are one to lead them. And Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and satraps by ex- his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So I want you to think this. The king has 120 leaders uh, over which three rule, over which one rules over the three. And Daniel is the one over the three. So Daniel is the second most powerful powerful man in the empire right now the second most influential and I want to write you to write down five qualities that I see in Daniel's life that overcomers have and here's the here's the first one in Daniel's life overcomers are promoted come on say that with me overcomers are it's interesting they're promoted Daniel even though he's living in a culture that's opposed to what his God believes in Daniel still because of his integrity his attitude his perseverance he's still promoted in the culture and I just want to say this we still need Christians in every avenue of the world making a difference how many know we need christian doctors come on how many know we need christian lawyers come on how many know we need christian artists and christian teachers in fact if you're a teacher involved in any way in teaching or administration i know you have it hard right now come on can you just raise your hand we want to honor you all over our locations come on scott's edition everybody all over we honor you today thank you thank you thank you And we need people, Jesus said, like salt and light, preserving the culture in all the different avenues of life. And Daniel was promoted. He, Even though he lived in a pagan world, he lived with such exceptional qualities. The Bible said he had a different spirit, a distinguished spirit, an exceptional quality. I just wrote down three of the qualities that I think helped Daniel get promoted. He had a good attitude. He was filled with integrity, and he had perseverance. I I want you to know almost anything is possible in life with a good attitude. I had a mentor tell me, keep your attitude great and your energy high and you'll go far in life. In fact, look at me, every young person here. If you will show up to work on time with a good attitude, you will be one of the very small minority of people in the world. You will get promoted and you're like, I ain't even very good at that. I'm telling you. It's just a good... How many know attitude makes everything, right? Daniel had an excellent spirit. Even in the middle of a world that was so opposed to God, he had a great attitude. I I learned this from my dad. My dad had the best attitude there ever was. And uh, uh, he he modeled this for me. My dad owned a construction company, and I grew up working for him in the summers. And I'll never forget when I... He went to Home Depot, you know, we're getting supplies. And my dad got in the forklift and started driving the forklift around. And I was like, Dad... We don't work here. I don't think you can drive. He's like, it's no problem. And uh, I was like, I feel like it is. And so he's getting sheetrock out with this forklift. And one of the workers came over to tell him, hey, you can't just drive the forklift around here. And he just looked at him. He's like, it's okay. And then another lady ran out because this guy was new. And she's like, no, it's okay. That's Ted. (laughs) The guy was like, what's Ted? And she's like, he's Ted. And my dad was like, I'm Ted. 
My dad, just wherever we went, my dad was Ted. I'm telling you, they, you know how they'd mark off the, the lanes? He'd move the cord. He'd walk up the lane. He just did everything. And he just taught me, if you have a great attitude, you can go anywhere and do anything in life. Sometimes it bothers my wife. I'll be turning in front of somebody, and I'm just like, hey, it's okay. I can turn in front of you. I have a good attitude. You know. And I'm not saying that's right, but I'm saying... In life, if you just have a good, I think, I think we need a revival of a good attitude, okay? So I'm talking to some of you today, you complain, you're living in Loserville, you need to get out of there, come on, and just have a good attitude. Come on, turn to the person next to you and tell them, have a good attitude. Come on, tell them that, have a good attitude. Not, not only did Daniel have a good attitude, but he was a man of integrity, Right? The word integrity comes from the word integer, meaning whole number, meaning Daniel was who he says he was. In public, he had integrity. In private, he had integrity. He was true to his word. How many of you get far in life if you're just honest, just trustworthy, on time? Come on. Encouraging, faithful, consistent. We'll see in a second. In fact, they tried to find a problem in Daniel's life and they couldn't. And finally, they were, he had a persevering life. If you look at Daniel 1, he's a teenager. By Daniel 6, he's in his 80s. And look this way. Everybody who's kind of seasoned in life, just look this way. I don't want to single you out, but come on. If you, you know who you are. Your hair is gray or it would be if you allowed the sovereign hand of God to be at work. Look at me. I love that at 83, Daniel wasn't on some beach counting seashells, drinking a smoothie. <laughs> I love that he was still in the game. And look at me, older, older, seasoned, faithful, mature, robust, wise. Thank you. We need you like we've never needed you before. To live out this thing called faith in the world. And at the chapel, we honor people who have maturity. The Bible says honor those with gray hair. Come on, let's honor everybody who has some maturity in the room. We need you and and need what you're doing. Sometimes you put up with our music that's a little different. I'm just telling you, we need you. We need you. We need you. I almost said turn to somebody old and tell them we need you. But I don't need a trouble like that. So... I'm just telling you, I love that Daniel, at 83 years of age, was still serving Jesus. How many know we need teenagers, we need older people, we need people committed to the call of God, right? Well, you know, uh, whenever you get ahead in life, there's going to be somebody, when you try to go ahead, there's going to be somebody who pulls you down. And that's what happened. Daniel starts to distinguish himself, and the envy and jealousy of the other administrators happened. In fact, they try to find grounds for charges against Daniel, But they, I love this word, they were unable to do so, for they could find no corruption in him, right? So they did all their their opposition research on him to get him out of office, and they couldn't find anything, no corruption in him, because, I love this, he was trustworthy and neither uh, corrupt nor negligent, right? And I just love this about Daniel. He lived with integrity. And this is just a side note. I just thought I would say it. That envy always hates the excellency that it cannot reach, right? And so the, op, the, 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 the haters around Daniel always didn't like them. In fact, to every young adult, sometimes you'll find that when you get your life together, your friends, your old friends won't like you because they don't have their lives together. And sometimes you need to let go of that crew to embrace a new crew. How many older, mature people would say amen to that, right? Like... 
and, and these guys don't like the trajectory of Daniel's life. And so even though he's promoted, so what happens is instead of just promotion, Daniel experienced, and so will we, persecution, right? So they can't find anything wrong with him, and so they persecute him. And I think the day is coming in our culture where, how many know there will be times just by you living out your faith that other people don't like it? How many know there will be times that just by you believing what you believe, other people don't like it? And here's what happened in this group. They said, finally, we can't, we can't find any basis for charges against Daniel. The only thing we're going to be able to find something wrong with him has to do with the law of his God. Like the only thing we can get him in trouble with is his faith. So here's what they do. The administrators and leaders, they go as a group to the king. And instead of just confronting Daniel, they try to set a trap for him. May King Darius live forever, they say. The royal administration, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that anyone who... By the way, let me just say something. When everybody tells you we all agree, it's usually the wrong worldview. Of course, we all agree. No, we don't all agree. Come on. Okay, nobody cares about that. But uh, I thought that was great. But... uh, We've all agreed that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except you, your majesty, shall be thrown in the lion's den. So they appeal to the ego of the king, who, if just you, we're only going to pray to you over the next uh, 30 days. And so what happens is the majesty has issued a decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered. That was the in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius declared a decree in writing. Here's what they're doing. They're trying to set a way up to, to get catch Daniel and they're creating new laws that will catch Daniel so if we set a rule that for 30 days people can only worship the king we know Daniel worships a different God so it's going to get him in trouble how many know that's sometimes how it works and I think the same is true of us we'll face obstacles we'll face persecution we'll face we'll face uh, face challenges in our life in fact the Bible says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and I was thinking of that word roaring lion and have you ever watched how a lion hunts? Lions, lions are kind of, they're, they're kind of sneaky hunters. They're punks is what they are. Because they never go after the strong one in the group. Come on, they, they hunt, lions hunt around the edges. You know what I mean? They find the weak person, the weak, weak animal. They go after them and all that. And that's what lions do. And when the Bible describes the enemy of our soul, it describes a lion that he's just trying to pick us off and come at us in a sneaky or sly way. You say, how do you know the devil is a punk? Because he's a lion. And how many know lions are from the cat family? And how many know there's no good thing in cats? This is good preaching. And so, uh, and I think they're trying to catch Daniel. But it's amazing to me as he faces this challenge of whether or not he's going to honor God, whether or not he's going to continue to be faithful to God. Not only is he persecuted, but I love this. He's so faithful. He's persistent. Come on, say that with me. He's what? He's he's persistent. Meaning Daniel stays faithful to God. How many know when the challenge of our life hits us of whether or not we'll be faithful to God, we've got to choose whether or not we're going to honor God or the world around us, right? In fact, it's interesting when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where his windows were open towards Jerusalem. So the Jewish people would open, they would pray in the room pointed towards Jerusalem as a symbol of where God dwelt and where God met with his people. And three times a day, I love this, Daniel got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Was this a new pattern? No, just as he had what? Done 
Meaning Daniel had had a pattern and a history of going to God in prayer. And when the culture said, you can't do that anymore, he just went home and did the same thing he always did. Faithful to God in prayer, right? How many know faithful to God in prayer? I mean, just consistent and faithful. In fact, I want to honor you today. People say in a culture where um, Sunday church attendance is declining. I, I, I'm, I'm old school, man. I believe the first day of the week belongs to God. And the first day of the week is Sunday. And there's something about getting to God's house. You say, well, we're here. Why are you preaching to us? I don't know. I just am, you know. How many know there's something about honoring God with the first of our week? In fact, it was real funny. Early this morning at 5.30 in the morning, my daughter came in my bedroom with her phone light right up against my face. And she was like, aren't you supposed to be up? And I was like, I said, I get up every week. I really don't need this right now. Like, I'm pretty sure I know how to get up. And she said, well, she and my son were headed to the Mosley setup meeting. Come on. Somebody, she said, I think you should be up by now. I said, for years, you've gone to the 11.15 service. And you are in my room at 5.30. So how about you get to unpacking those speakers? <laughs> and uh, But I just, I just thought, as, as I saw taillights backing down a driveway, I thought, man, I haven't gotten everything right as a parent. But thanks be to God, two kids are headed to church before 6 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, Daniel went to God in prayer and it wasn't a brand new thing. It was a regular thing, a consistent thing, a faithful thing. He had a persevering faith. I think one of the reasons God used Daniel so much was he wasn't just a flash in the pan, emotional guy who served Jesus for a little while. He had decades of faithfulness under his life of just every day getting up, loving God, loving people, serving with an excellent spirit. How many want to leave that kind of legacy, just the legacy of faithfulness? I think sometimes we talk about miracles. I'm telling you what, it might just be a miracle to be faithful to God for 60 years. I think we need some more like common miracles of people that just have been doing this a long time. I've been loving God. I've been serving God. And what's amazing is in the middle of all this, he kept trusting. And these men went as a group and found Daniel praying, asking God for help. You know, I thought Daniel could have changed the way he prayed if he wanted to. Come on. He could have said, I'm going to close the window. I'll pray in the shower, you know. Like, I don't want anyone to see me, but Daniel was willing to risk. And how many know we need to be willing to risk? I'm not talking about obnoxious. I'm not talking about trying to be offensive for offense. I am saying, though, listen to me, chapel. This is a season where we need to be a church that stands for truth. In fact, I'll tell you, I'll tell you as this, um, I'll tell you this service because I haven't said it all day, but I was preparing for the sermon and I thought, this is not a good sermon to preach in a brand new campus in Mosley. Like I should find something like nicer, sweeter, and I can be funny and I'll just be sweet. And I'll, and I, so I started looking all over the book of Daniel for like, where's a sappy sermon? You know, like give me something that Jesus loves you and so do we and Let's eat pasta. You know what I mean? Something like that. And I just felt like God said to me, listen, don't, don't do that. Not in the culture we're living in today. We have to be people that stand in the truth of God's word because God's looking for a people that will stand up and speak up and live for him in the middle of a crazy world. Can I get an amen today? That's what he's asking for. 
And overcomers, are per, they're, they're just persevering. They're just faithful. And so Daniel gets the awful news that he's going to be thrown in a lion's den. Here's the fourth thing, man. I'm so glad this is true. Come on, they're protected. Now, we know the story, so you're not amazed by it, that Daniel's about to be thrown in the lion's den. But just so you know, when you throw people into lion's dens, it goes bad. Haven't you even seen the guy who, like, he has a lion as a cub, and he's like, I don't know. Like, years later, the thing just, rah, and it's like, bro, it's always in Central Florida, too. I don't know why, but, uh, and he's always like, I love this animal. You know, I mean, like, grown lions and people don't go hand in hand. And so here's what happened. Daniel doesn't bow, and the Bible says that he's going to be thrown in the lion's den. So he is, and a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den of the lion. And something is interesting because the king then goes back to his palace and spends the night without eating and without any entertainment brought to him, and the king could not sleep. I I, I read an author that describes maybe what it was like for Daniel to be thrown in the lion's den so well. I just wrote it down. It said, as the guards closed the aperture and went their way, Daniel slid gradually to the floor of the den. The big lions that had come bounding from their cabins at the inflow of light all of a sudden stopped short as a steed reined up by a powerful hand on the bridle. The initial roars died away as they looked at this man who stood in their den in easy reach. There was some snorting and a little whining, and some of them turned around and went back into their caverns, and others of the great beasts yawned and laid on the floor, but not one of them made a move towards their visitor." Thanks be unto Jehovah, breathed the prophets. He has stopped the mouths of these fierce beasts that will not, that will do me no harm. And he sat down on the floor and leaned his back against the wall to make himself comfortable for the night. How many know that would be a long night? And the expression on the lion's faces was a mixture of perplexity and awe. Here is a meal standing in front of them, but they are somehow restrained from attacking, as if an invisible shield is keeping them from moving towards Daniel. And while Daniel was sleeping in the lion's den, Darius the king could not sleep. The king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him, and his sleep went from him. He put Daniel in the lion's den, and Daniel went to sleep on one of the lions. And Darius went back to the palace, and he couldn't get a wink. Isn't that interesting? And while Daniel slept like a lamb, even though he's being uh, watched over by lions, Darius tossed and turned. He didn't need, he couldn't sleep. He was counting the minutes until sunrise and when he would discover Daniel's fate. He was probably asking himself over and over again, why did I agree to play the role of God for 30 days? What was I thinking? His vanity and his weak will cost him his supper and his sleep. And listen to this. The lions wanted to eat but couldn't. The king could eat but wouldn't. It was a unique night in Persia. Isn't that interesting? I want you to think of this. The king lays in a palace and he can't sleep. And Daniel lays in a den of lions and he can sleep. Here's why today. Because if God's with you, you're better off being in a difficult situation than being alone with all the luxuries of this world. And I'm telling you, The culture shouts if you just get this or you just just have that or you can just accomplish this. And, and what this book proves is it's what's amazing is one man sleeping and his my pillow is a lion. 
And the other guy with all the blessings that a palace could give him. And all the blessings that a monarch could have. And yet none of it, he cannot sleep. And so what's amazing is at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. The Hebrew actually says he ran to the lion's den, which no good proper monarch would ever run in public. But he's so, he just can't wait to see what happens. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living, of the living God. Has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? I don't know why. No services found this funny. I find the answer funny, okay? Daniel, from the lion's den, okay? Because no one's thought it's funny. I'm just selling it here ahead of time. Daniel answered, may the king live forever. Isn't that hilarious? Because he's in the den. Whatever. My God has sent his angel and he shut the mouths of lions. How many are grateful that God has power over all things, right? My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Okay, I find this so interesting that the king is overjoyed. He orders Daniel to be lifted out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found on him. They looked, there was no bite mark. No nibble on his arm. No, his hair wasn't matted because the, the cat had licked him all night. None of that. And I love these words. Why? Come on, somebody say it with me. Because he what? Come on. Oh, I can't hear you. Because he what? Come on. He. How many know we need a people that trust in God, right? In the middle of the reality. I just write this down. Maybe you take a picture of it. The lions wanted to eat but couldn't. The king could eat but wouldn't. It was a unique night in Persia because Daniel slept with lions while the king lay awake in a palace. I'm telling you, the presence of God, not the, not the place we are, is the determining factor. I would rather be with God in the storm than on my own in perfection. And what's amazing is everything in the world. Now, I read a bunch of uh, commentaries and a few, a few of the new people that try to explain how, how nothing's a miracle in the Bible. They said, well, maybe the lions had just been fed. So when they threw them in there, they were like, oh, we're not hungry. So I'll just give you this verse just because people are saying maybe the, this isn't a miracle. Maybe the lions just weren't hungry. Well, you should read the next verse because those who falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown in the lion's den. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. So put that on a church T-shirt and uh, <laughs> on your fridge. I'm just saying they, they were hungry. The reason they didn't eat Daniel was not because they weren't hungry, because they ate all those guys. In fact, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said it's a good thing they didn't eat Daniel, because they would have found he was half grit and half backbone. And there's just something about his life. And I'm just telling you, I'm thankful for a God of protection. Anybody, right? So let me give you one more thought, and then we're done. Everybody, can I have two more minutes? Come on, somebody. All right, two, four, six. Here we go. And... Uh, Last one, overcomers transform Babylon. So what, what I want you to see is what happens in Darius the king. The king starts by issuing a 30-day decree that sounds good to him that only people would worship and pray to him. But I want you to just notice the king. I, I couldn't help but notice his attitude, Darius's attitude. Something about Daniel was intriguing to the king. 
In fact, when the king brought him to him, he literally, the king said, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. So even when he's throwing him into the lion's den, the king regrets his decision. He's like, I wonder if this is going to work. We, we saw it a second ago at the first light of dawn. He got up and hurried to the lion's den. And so the king is wondering, what is with Daniel? And at the end of it, when the king sees what God's done in Daniel's life, it's amazing. The Bible says, then King Darius wrote to all the nations and the people of every language in all the earth. I issue a decree. He liked decrees. And uh, that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of who? Come on, the God of who? I'm, I'm telling you, I wonder if there's a world in the Babylon we live in that's looking around wondering if the God of Jim and the God of Sue and the God of John and the God of Gail really exists. I wonder if there's people looking at their own life and they're saying, because of the way we live our faith, is it possible that our God is real? I, I think one of the things we can do living for God in Babylon is live in such a way that we cause the curiosity meter of people who don't know God to go up like, huh, how can you trust God in the middle of that? How can you, what, why are you, huh? And what happens is this King Darius sees something so amazing in Daniel's life, it changes him. In fact, he sounds, this is the pagan king. I'll just read you there, for he is the living God. And he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders. And how many think this sounds like a pretty good Christian? You know, meaning this man's life is peaked in his interest is peaked because of the faith of one man named Daniel. Catch me, chapel. This is on my heart. What if instead of just cursing at the darkness and being angry at the darkness, we saw with the eyes of Jesus that Jesus wants to change people's lives? And what if we had hearts of compassion and said, God, maybe you want to change people because the king could flat out say there's something like him. I got to tell you, because he rescued Daniel from the power of the Lord, meaning there's something about Daniel's faith that's made me wonder if his God is real. Let me ask you a question. If people looked at our lives, would they say there's something about our faith that makes them wonder if our God is real? Standing in one of my favorite coffee shops just two days ago and the girl skipped me a coffee we were talking. I said, I have a daughter about your age. How old are you? She said, 23. I said, 23. I said, how's life? And she's like, eh. And I said, no, I get eh. Like you're an adult, but you're not really an adult. I don't think she appreciated that. She was like, what? <laughs> we were talking. I said, friend groups change and in between stages of life and all that. I said, man, we got a whole group of people in your age group in our church and they meet in small groups. And she's like, what is a small group? And I was like, it's a group that's small. <laughs> and they, we just have young adults that are convinced that a lot of things the world's saying really matters doesn't, doesn't totally meet the needs of their hearts. So you should come. I said, we leave one at my house. A bunch of 19 to 25 year olds in a, she's like, really? I said, yeah. I said, will you come? She said, yeah. So God willing, tomorrow night, uh, so that I can get so that I can get a coffee discount, and uh, it reminded me when I walked out of there. There's a whole lot of people who have heard the world saying this is going to set. If you get this degree and you follow this thing and you just do this, then everything else and and all those things have left people empty. And like a king sitting at a palace who has everything, there's still no rest for the soul. 
How many believe Jesus Christ is the only thing that meets our soul's craving, right? I think there's a lot of people, they don't even know it, but Romans 8 says that we groan with eager expectation for a revelation of the sons of God. I Meaning I think there's a God-given uh, vacuum in the souls of people that there's like, there's just gotta be more to life than this. I got the new car and now I don't, now there's gotta be more than that. And what happens is Darius' life is transformed. So just write this down. I think this is true. If we'll stand with God, he'll not only stand with us, he'll change Babylon through us. And the, book, the chapter ends with a pagan king giving praise to an eternal God. And could it be that God would give us eyes to see the community around us, the neighborhoods, the families, the schools, where people have just found, I've chased all these things. And they haven't satisfied. Would you bow with me all over this room and in the lobby? And would you bow with me in Richmond? And you're here today. I won't embarrass you, but if you say, Pastor, I'm not sure of where I'm at in my own relationship with God. Maybe you've wandered away from God. Maybe you've never had a real relationship with God. The story of the Bible is that Jesus loves you and that God sent his son to die for you so you don't have to pay for your own sins but you could have a new life, a new heart, a new start. So I won't embarrass you, but I would love to pray for you if you'd just be bold enough to say this weekend, Pastor, I, I'm not sure my life is right with God, or maybe I've walked far away from it. And today I need to come home. Nobody's looking around in, in Richmond, in Midlothian, all our campuses, but you're here today and you say, Pastor, would you just pray for me? I'm not certain I'm right with God and I wanna be today. Yes, thank you. Are there others? Just yes, thank you, yes, thank you. Are there others today? You say, Pastor, I'm not certain. I'm right with God. Yep, thank you, ma'am. I appreciate that. Anybody else? You just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm not certain in the lobby or in this room. Just one more time. I won't embarrass anyone, but I want to make sure we give time in a sacred moment like this. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Yep, thank you. Yep, thank you. One last time. Anybody say, Pastor? Anybody else? You'd say, Pastor, just pray for me. I'm not certain. Yep, thank you. Yep, thank you. And right where you're seated, it's not a magic prayer, but if you mean it in your heart, God can, God can answer it. It goes something like this. God, I know I've sinned. I know I've come up short, but I believe you love me so much you sent your only son, Jesus, for me. So today I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart God raised him from the dead. Would you save me today? Would you change me? Would you come on the inside of my life and give me a new start? Take away all my guilt. Forgive me completely. And God, if you give me a new heart, I'll do my best by your grace to follow you and serve you all the days of my life. I'm making myself completely yours. Come into me and change me, for I pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Look this way if you would. Uh, the way in, you got a worship guide. It says you can say I connect. I committed my life to Jesus or I recommitted. You can drop that off at Next Step or you can email us. We just want to help you. Uh, we don't want to embarrass you. We do want to help you grow in your faith. It's the greatest decision you ever made. You need to know too as a church, a lot of things we do, one of the main things we love to do is just help people in their faith in Jesus. And so if you raised your hand and took that step today, we want to say welcome to the family of God. We're proud of you. Thankful for what God's doing in your life. And